What's up, guys? How you guys doing? It's very formal, dude. Huh? <laughs> How you guys doing? That's cool. I thought it was pretty casual. It's fine. It's fine. We're, we're doing good, Steve. What's up? What's going on, man? It's fine. Uh, yeah, let's not let any of this. This is this is good. Okay. Okay. Fine. Uh, in my room in quarantine just reflecting and oh I thought that was gonna was, go uh, I was, th- I was what Andrew thought it was gonna go somewhere else yeah <laughs> like yeah. concerned for a while I'm like oh okay <laughs> you're mine out of the gutter <laughs> no no I was actually thinking John about something you said when we were talking a couple weeks ago about friendships how yeah. back in the day you thought that Having a lot of friends is important. You made that a big priority in your life. But yep. then as time went by, I think that changed for you, right? And as I was reflecting in my room, not doing anything weird, Drew, but just thinking <laughs> about this topic, I realized you two and maybe like five other people are the only people that I'm in contact with right now. Because it's just too much effort to keep in contact with anyone else. And since we're not really going out anymore, there's no more of that going to a social gathering and being all, oh, hey, I haven't seen you in so long. Hey, how are you? What's up? And all the bullshit <laughs> and pleasantries that you usually have to do when you meet someone that you know, but you're not really acquainted with, but you kind of have to say hi out of politeness. But I think, John, could you maybe talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think... You, you guys can attest to this, right? I mean, we've, we've, the three of us have been friends since high school, way back when. And so back in high school, I really optimized on quantity over quality. I don't, I don't know what triggered it, like partially a desire for popularity. I, I guess that played into it. But I didn't really feel like I just wanted to belong in one group or one clique. And so I kind of floated around during high school. That trailed into college as well, studied business in college. And... In the business school uh, th- that I went to, it's really emphasized on the importance of, of networking, right? So that took it to the next level. It's like, it's, it's who you know, um, as opposed to what you know. At the end of the day, having like gatekeepers in the companies that you want to go into, having like a good referral if you want to eventually apply to grad school, knowing the right people goes uh, a long way to your personal and professional development. So even then, I really emphasized on getting to know as much as people as I can. And we kind of talked about this last week, so I'm pretty sure we're going to allude to this again later, but it kind of took a toll on me. I would never miss a hangout. And it's, it's like it's sort of like random stuff, right? It's not just like networking events. It's also like house parties, house parties after house parties. I have an exam the next day, but I kind of want to just show my face so I can maintain like my relationship with this other person. So it kind of took a toll on me and like I realized that at the end of the day, I wasn't really myself in a lot of these situations. I kind of adjusted to different personalities just so I could fit in with um, different groups of people. And it's not until like two to three years of working experience post-college that I realized who my true friends are, who I could see as acquaintances, but who my true friends are. Um, I, I, I really started to ring fence it. It, it kind of speaks for itself, right? We've been friends since high school. 
uh, the three of us went to different universities, different colleges. Um, I was in Northern California, Drew was in Southern California, Steve was all the way in DC. But we still maintained our friendship throughout the years that we've been apart, which speaks a lot. And yeah, I mean, I mean, to sum it up, I realized later on in life that that's all that matters. I mean, networking is important. Knowing the right people is important to get ahead in life, you know, quote unquote. But you really have to realize that at the end of the day, you should also stay true to yourself. I don't want to get your guys' opinions as well. Like, did you, did you guys feel the same way? I think when I first came to high school in, in SPAL, right, like I think I was a new kid, right? So then I actually didn't really get to know that many uh, people at first because I think I was still shy. I mean, as a new kid, it's, especially if when you're, uh, especially with that culture and language barrier, I didn't really have the opportunity to get to know as many people. And I think I limited myself to all the expatriates, yeah. right? So um, context, you, Drew, Drew didn't actually grow up in Indo. Maybe you want to expand on that, Drew? Oh, yeah. So I... So to give you guys some context, I, I was born in New York. Uh, I lived in Canada and I lived in Singapore. And it wasn't until my, I did my, uh, I started my 10th grade in, in Espeha, Indonesia. So during that time, I didn't really know that much Bahasa. And I think coming in there, it was hard to, I guess, I guess it was just hard to fit in. Like, even when I was put in the expatriate class, like it was still hard for me to like, uh, still like, I guess fit in with that group, and I mean, you know, the people in 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 in, in my class, right? They're not the most easy people to to get along with. Um, Shout out to Elliot. You got put yeah. in the uh, in the lower bus Indonesia class than the expat kids. You're literally whiter than the white kids. That's how white you are. <laughs> That's true. You whiter than Jack. Yeah, and Jack's like an actual white guy, but he was in Bahasa B. Oh. <laughs> you were in Abinisho. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but during those three years, it wasn't necessarily like getting to know as many people as possible. It was just more of trying to like, not survive per se, but just to like try to fit in. For me, my objective wasn't try to get to know as many people. It was just try to make sure I, I actually have a good three years of high school. You know, like at least make friends, like fit in, actually not be that lonely kid who's like all by himself, right? And I mean, fortunately, I met you guys, and then we hung out during those. I mean, actually, no, I didn't get close to Steve until. Until 11th grade, if I'm not mistaken. Math studies. Math studies. <laughs> and then, John, I'm, I'm, I think uh, you came back to ESPA in 11th grade, right? So Yeah, I left for a year to pursue my dream of becoming a doctor, but failed. I moved so to a national school to want to become a doctor, and then I failed. So I moved back to ESPA. <laughs> and that's way, when we started a, a, a movie uh, filmmaking club right here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in fact, in productions. Yeah. Yeah, but basically to keep things short, 10th grade is more about, you know, transitioning, right? Getting fitting in and 11th, 12th grade was just more expanding on those relationships that I made. I think I started to, started to fit in 11th, 12th grade, but that only, that only gave me two years in high school to like actually like you know, develop my relationships. So, I mean, throughout high school, I was still um, the introvert as I was. I never actually developed the habit of trying to like, meet new people. It actually wasn't until college that, like, like John said, I also started to realize the importance of, uh, of networking even though it's many people. And then, uh, I mean, I joined a professional business fraternity um, called Alpha Kappa Psi. And I think that was the first time I actually had to put myself out there in these uh, situations that involve talking to a lot of people. Because I think that's, I think if you, if you, if you guys don't know um, how the rush process works in the fraternity, basically you increase your chances of getting in by the more members you talk to, right? 
And that's what yeah. basically what I wanted to do. And so throughout my entire tenure in college, when I was in, in this business fraternity, I had to put myself out there because I was also in charge of recruiting. I was also in charge of a lot of other things like marketing. And for the most part, it actually did push me out of my shell. But I don't think that necessarily like pushed me to like get to know as many people as possible. I think for me, what it did is it just, it did just push me out of my shell to to actually like, you know, reach out to people instead of just keeping it, keeping to myself. And it, that's when I started to realize the value of networking because it's not really about what you know, it's who you know. But the one regret I did have when I was back in school, back in the States was that I wish I networked more with Indonesians. Because for me, I always felt like back in the States, like I, I felt like I could connect more with a lot of the Asian Americans, but I mean, to be fair, like I, I chose to hang out with more Asian Americans than Indonesians. But the w- reason I regret that is because coming back to Indo, right, then I realized, at least compared to, I mean, a lot of you guys, that as I said, like, maybe also to John, something I realized, wow, like I actually really don't know anyone in Indo. Because like, so I think that's like one of the things that I kind of regretted in, in college. So I don't necessarily mean like, obviously there's like, I think there's definitely like a line where you do have to, choose who you want to spend your, uh, spend your time with, right? Because, you know, time is almost like, is a valuable asset. You don't want to keep wasting on other people, right? But I feel like if you're, if you're going to come back to Indo, right? And I feel like there is benefit in trying to network as much as possible. And, uh, and that's, a, that's something I wanted to like ask, ask you, John. Like, do you think that, because obviously when you were in Berkeley, you networked with non-Indonesians too, right? Yeah. Do you feel like, you would have benefited more if you networked with more Indonesians and SF coming back to Indo rather than networking with Asian Americans? I didn't really think about it at the time because I didn't know that I would be back in Indo um, straight out of college. But definitely, I mean, if, if, if I had known that earlier on, like I would have definitely optimized more in networking with Indo people. But like even, even the concept of networking, I feel like it, it gets sort of a bad rep, right? Um, I think when we talk about networking, we immediately think of it as very transactional. When it's not, that's not necessarily how it works too. Sometimes you just meet Indo people organically. Like I'm sure you've had friends in, you have friends in USC, right, Drew? Uh, maybe through Elliot or maybe through other other people in LA. Like I, I know, I know the, I know you went to Chapman and there are not a lot of Indos in Chapman, right? No. But there are a lot of, they're like hella Indos in LA. And I'm, I'm sure like you did establish like Indo works organically i remember like you would go on hiking trips with al and like i remember when i visited we would hang out with other indos as well so i think things just happen organically too I, like I'm, I'm just curious this desire for networking having a lot of friends where does it stem from yet do you have any thoughts on this Steve? well thinking back now i feel in high school it wasn't really a choice because we were all in the same class we had all these group projects together we kind of stuck with each other all the time and if you didn't have a good relationship with someone, well, see a fourth period. <laughs> and of course, you know, there's all the uh, hormones and weird stuff in high school, right? Where, you know, you're just this little pubescent kid trying to fit in. So to a certain extent, I think in high school, sort of unavoidable. But the bad dynamic, for most people at least, is that you want to try and make as many friends as possible and have a good reputation. And I think that is brought into college and I remember my freshman year of college when I first got in, I actually started in a dorm and 
and it was just mindset. Yeah, make friends with everyone in your floor. The floor friend stuff kind of died out within about two weeks. Because after two weeks, people started getting into all their different clubs, and you're not stuck with each other all the time in the way it was in high school. So you don't really have that urgency to have to have a good relationship with people. But then, that, like you said, jobs come into the picture where you have to have this network that can give you that access to your professional career in the future. And, and you're right, I think when you're exposed to that, that's when you start thinking, okay, this isn't even a social thing anymore. This is something that has implications to me professionally and to my future. And I was also on the whole AKSI gig, just like how Drew was, he was actually the one that introduced me to it. And yeah, I, I appreciate what it taught me but it is really easy for that to spiral really quickly. Okay, you know, how can this person get me my job? Instead of how can I actually get to know this person genuinely? You know, and then maybe this person can help me, maybe he can't, but, or she can't, but I will still try to get to know this person genuinely. Yeah, you have the goal of still want to get a job, but you don't treat each individual person as a tool to get that job. But I, I guess to get the question back to you guys, that's where it gets a bit tough, right? Because um, you don't want to see people as tools. You want to get to know people genuinely and have genuine relationships with people. But realistically speaking, right, there's only so much time you have, especially, you know, after college and, you know, when you're working, you only have so much time, right? So, you know, when you think about it like that, it's kind of tough because, well, okay, if I have a limited amount of time and I have goals, then I will only prioritize those that can further my goals. I'm curious to, to hear how you guys think that balances it out. I mean, it's kind of like all by chance, right? Because the thing is sometimes in order to meet the right person that you want to have a general relationship with, you actually have, maybe you might have to meet a hundred person, a hundred people to find that one person. Right. So for me, I'd say the whole point of networking, I mean, yes, I think in, in the end, whether it's to find uh, a connection for your job or to establish a relationship we're just doing it for our own gain right but obviously i think we i think we all do it because but we still want to find that 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 one quality lead and then those like 100 other leads right but in order to get that one quality lead we actually have to put ourselves out there and actually meet 100 people to get to that one person so for me i'd rather see like networking is just a uh, just a way for us to sort of filter out the crowd because i mean in the end like you can't if you have to some people get lucky and they meet the person right away, but sometimes it just takes time for you to meet that person. Like one example could be like my dad, right? So my dad, he doesn't really have time to like go out and stuff because he's a doctor, he's a cardiologist, right? So he's usually just, he comes, he goes to work at seven, comes home at like Lord knows when, right? And then the weekends are just him for to recover. So he didn't really, at least during his adult life, he didn't really have that many people to like, he didn't really have that many friends to, uh, to like, you know, to spend time around, right? But then he started making it his point to start meeting more people. And it took him years, but out of the two years that he went, that he started putting himself out there, he was able to find one genuine uh, friend that he considers his best friend. And the thing is like, they recently just met, they're not like high school friends or college friends. They just met like two years ago, but it's because my dad put himself out there and he started to network more. He was able to find that one quality lead that he can call, uh, call his friend. And this doesn't only really have to apply to friends, right? It could also be applied to like networking or maybe when you go to a, a conference or a, or a bazaar, right? When, when you go to those kind of things, like, you know, you give out your business cards, you're trying to find like someone you can do business with, but in the end you have to choose the one that you think is most appropriate for, 
for you or your business, right? Yeah. So I think in the end, networking is still a tool. It's a way for us to filter out who we meet and in order, in order to find the right person that we want to actually establish connection with. Um, I think the way I view it, because I've been in both sides, right? I've been in the position where I want to get into a job, for example, and then I would network. I've also been at the other position where I've had people reach out to me as well, um, wanting to get into uh, you know, banking at the time or even like tech right now. I think the way I view it is I would come into it with a genuine intent. Sure, I might want to apply to the company that this person is currently working for, but I, sh- I won't view it transactionally. Like I genuinely would want to start a conversation with them, get to know them personally. You really sense something different when someone's reaching out to you and it's obvious that they're only reaching out to you for a job, right? Mm. Like a clear example is, I remember, I think this was when I was in banking. There's this one guy who I haven't spoken to for years. We just like crossed past this one time in SF and we never really kept in touch. And he reached out to me and his immediate message was, is JP Morgan hiring? Like there's really no, no sense of like, not even like a, a like a, how are you? How, how, like how, how's, how's your sister or whatever? Cause he knows my sister as well. It was very obvious that he's just in it for, for that transaction. Right. And it, it doesn't come off as good for my side. Like, why should I help this guy if, if, He's not even, his approach is it wasn't even genuine, right? I don't know if that answers your question, Steve. Okay, yeah, you're about to say. You know, quick, quickly on that, I always have this dilemma whenever I'm the one reaching out to someone for that because the thing you just said is small talk, right? So you don't say, hey, I want a job. You say, oh yeah, how's your puppy? How's your, how's your wife? How's your girlfriend? So are you hiring? I mean, that sounds disingenuous too, right? So I don't know, like, what, yeah, how do you yeah. actually make sure it comes across as genuine? For me, I think it's like, I mean, obviously the first time that that person connects with you, I mean, yeah, you're not sure what, I mean, I'm, I will actually like, you're, you're sure what you're, you're, you're pretty sure what that person's intentions are, but at the same time, you don't know what his, whether he's just trying to make small talk or whatnot. But I think it's what the person does after, whether he gets the job or doesn't get the job, right? So like, let's say that a friend of yours, let's say he didn't get the job, but then maybe he still said, oh, like, Maybe he still wanted to hang out with John or something. I think then it would show that, oh, he actually was trying to make, he was, tra- he was generally trying to reestablish a connection with John. Whether he got the job or not, I think it just depends like whether he like follows up with John. And I think it just shows like what his, uh, what his intentions are. Because I think, I think we tend to use pe- people as tools. And then once we get what we want, we tend to forget about them. That's when you use someone as a tool, right? When you actually value someone, you're grateful for their help, regardless of whether you, you got what you want or not. Yeah, agree. And and everything we do, right? We're always here to like to maximize our utility, right? Our interaction with someone, or I mean, there's no doubt about it that this person is making small talk, so then they can eventually have you help them, right? Mm. But I think this goes like, oh, but what's your interaction after the dust has settled? I think that's yeah. when you see whether they were generally trying to um, get to know you or they were just using you. I mean, going back to the very first question that Steve asked. I think we have to be able to establish as well who our friends are and who our, you know, acquaintances are. I think it's fair game to want to reach out to someone. It's totally fine, I agree, to want to reach out to someone to be connected to a job. And I think in today's day and age, especially with, you know, the pandemic and how hard it is to find a job these days, I think it's fair game to want to approach someone um, with the intention of possibly 
working for the company that this person is working currently working for. It's, it's totally fine. As long as you do what Drew just said, despite getting the job or not, they'll kind of show that you appreciate her, her time, despite whether or not you end up achieving your goal. But yeah, th- th- those are my two cents. Friendship is a whole different thing. So I think, again, I, like I don't have a lot of super close friends like you guys, like super close knit friends that I could truly open up and be vulnerable around. But it's totally fine. It's like at the time I thought I, thought I, I needed so many friends, but then that's when I realized that I can't really open up to a lot of these people, which is totally fine as well. It's like we're, we're, we're acquaintances and that's when I realized who my true friends are. And that's when I am just super comfortable with knowing the fact that I don't have, I don't have to have too many friends as long as I have my, uh, I don't want to say squad. It's kind of, it's kind of cringy. <laughs> my squad. <laughs> So we were just talking about like obviously how like how our our friendship survived since since high school right since high school since college since post college, but obviously we've also had other friends during college and I've also seen that those relationships have have changed as well. There are definitely some friendships I had in high school and then right now I'm not really friends with them anymore. Whether either we grew apart or like we just stopped talking to each other. Like why is that? Like how did we get from a stage where you were? super tight with someone in high school and then they just started to I don't know how how do you think the whole drifting apart starts just real quick I think it's it's a matter of how our aspirations change throughout time as well right I think at the time we're like just know as much people like I like I, I partied a lot in in college sometimes you just felt your values just don't match anymore and it's it's a fair game to move on wait but but, okay, but John, that's that's another thing because I mean you said our values changed, but like so, when you went to college, your values changed too, right? Yeah. Right. So then, how is it that the three of us still remain friends? Because our values changed individually like during our lives in in colleges. Like we we all led different lives. Our values changed, but yet we're still able to remain friends, right? And yeah. while you were going out and uh, partying and networking. Maybe you did more so than me, than me and Steve. I don't know, but I mean, yes. I, I like to think. Yeah. So, how is it? Steve that was Steve, wild, man. Steve tried anything and everything. Huh? No, no. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, any yeah, like we 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 all had different lives. I mean, all our values change, but yet we still remain friends, right? So, uh, why is that? Why do you think that, despite what you said, that we still were still able to maintain that connection? So, for me. I would argue actually that for most of the people who drifted apart from our deepest values never really aligned in the first place. There are some people that I was friends with because, okay, we had biology and math together. I suffered with you with that group project, but that's about the... <laughs> I'm laughing, Steve. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Huh? That was not... <laughs> oh, man. Yes, as I was saying, biology and math. We had classes with these people. We were in the same sports team or whatever. It's it's not even interest, right? It's more like shared responsibilities. We didn't have a choice but to be with these classes and all that. And once in a while, we have to cooperate. And so we have some sort of bond with these people. But the moment these classes and all disappear, I mean, that's about it. My bond with this person is gone right and that's probably why after i went to college pretty sure i lost contact with most of the people that i was talking to in high school values do change and interests do change but 
I do think it goes a lot deeper than that. I feel when you dig deeper, you know, with things like morals and, you know, like for example, how we treat our family and faith, religion and character. I mean, I feel with you guys, I've never lost that connection, right? I feel like we've sort of always been aligned on a lot of those things, though. Now Drew has abs and now John is no longer a fuckboy. Those things change, but I think our character and our morals, you know, are all, are all the same. And with other people, I had that bond with them because I was in the same class with them in high school. And then, you know, when I went to college, you know, different countries and all that, no reason to hang out with them anymore. And then, so we just like lost contact. And then when we graduated and came back to Indonesia, um, I felt that we reconnected with a lot of these people. And as we tried assimilating ourselves into the you know, social circles, again, it's kind of inevitable. You know, you're hanging out with your friends. It's like, hey, it's you. How are you? How's your puppy? And then you got to make some small talk, yada, yada. And I was like, yeah, we should totally hang out sometime. There's really just formalities, right? I mean, this is your acquaintance yeah. that you knew from seven or eight years back. It's social norms, right? To greet this person, make small talk with this person. And all that goes out the window right now with this pandemic. Because we're not even going out anymore, right? And you're really only talking to people online and you have to make the effort to text and all that. And I know you guys hate this because both of you are terrible texters. Bless your girlfriends for uh, being able to stand all that. Ironically though, I've been talking to my friends in college a lot more. These are people who are not Indonesians. Like I've, I've been talking to them longer than before having, you know, like weekly calls with them, different time zones, like 12 hour time difference. And some of them are married in a different seasonal life. But I do feel ultimately, right, seeing how I'm still close to you guys from high school and seeing how I'm still close you know, to these select few people in college, I think what unites all of us is much deeper. Despite distance, despite time. Maybe we're just secretly in love with one another. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yep, that's, yep, that's probably it. Is, is James part of this conversation too, or? It's not, it's it's not, not talk about James. James in this conversation. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go on a bit of a tangent here. Um, sure. I think this could be a different topic on its own, but just to keep things candid and vulnerable, like behind the scenes, Steve, Joanne, and I would also talk about relationships, right? And girls, do you think... Are you, are you trying to reassure the audience that we're not in love with each other? <laughs> we're not in love with each other. I mean... You're like, yeah, you're trying uh, to relationships, but no, not our own, you know, like with girls, with girls, don't worry, we like girls. <laughs> anyway, do you think, do you guys think, you know, an, another trigger to why we want to be super social, have a lot of friends, is also, to a certain extent to be able to be seen as desirable by women. As in like the ideal man or the ideal dude should be able to be, should be able to operate in any type of social situations, should be super social, you know, quote unquote. Do you think that's another trigger? I would say so. What, what do you guys think? Mm, so actually I had a conversation about with Sharon about this. Um, Who's Sharon? Oh, my, sorry. Uh, Sharon's my girlfriend. Oh, okay. on air. <laughs> Go on. Anyway, I think it just really depends. I think, I think we have this misconception that attraction requires um, that in order to look attractive, you need to know as many people. And in some degree, that is true. But I think, but I think 
but I think it's not fair that we apply it to everyone because I think by saying that we're kind of making it sound a little bit shallow, if you know what yeah. I mean? Because then I know at least, at least for Sharon, right? Sharon likes to keep to herself. Um, she's not the type of person who, who, who sees, I guess, the value in popularity. She's the, she sees the value in networking and, and all that, but she doesn't say like, oh, why do you have to be popular? I mean, I'd rather have four quarters and a hundred pennies. So these, she's that type of girl, right? And um, for her, she, whenever she told me that what attracts her is not this super outgoing guy who's trying to get to know as many people because she sees that guy as shallow, right? So I think for me, it's this misconception, a misconception that we have that, oh, in order to be attractive, to look attractive, we need to surround ourselves with other people. And I think even for you, John, I think even Jess and you sometimes had conversations about about how your introvert extrovert nature kind of clash together sometimes too right yeah no for wait, sure wait wait, sure. wait 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 who's jess my girlfriend oh uh, okay go on steve's steve's awe is iconic <laughs> turn it into like an alarm because it's like an annoying sound <laughs> it wakes you up in the morning um no yeah definitely i think i think Putting myself in the shoes of you know younger John, early college days John, again oh, when I was I wouldn't say I was a fuckboy, but <laughs> I was de- I, I definitely took a lot of emphasis in like you know meeting girls, going out, stuff like that. Definitely back then I thought that being social, being seen as super social is is more desirable for for women. At the time that's what I thought. It's not when I started taking you know dating seriously and then eventually meeting someone like Jess, who's a com- complete opposite, not in terms of personality, but in terms of, yeah, that introvert, extrovert nature. Uh, I start learning things about myself that I didn't think I would um, learn. Like I, I started appreciating more time to myself, um, quality time with her. And it's definitely taught me a lot. Like I like to think that maybe when we were younger, yes, like, Maybe that was our concept. Maybe that's what we were attracted to. Maybe when we were younger, we did value a quantity over quality. But I think as we grew older, we started to we started to prioritize. Uh, we started to switch things around. I think that's when I think when that's when we start when we started looking into like serious relationships. We realized, oh, it's not about the how many people I know. It's just really about um, the meaningful connections um, that I have. So right. I think we're younger. I think younger definitely. We thought that popularity was part of attractiveness but i like to think now we're at an age where we're not just looking to be attracted to people right i think we're actually looking to be to establish a meaningful connection uh, rather than just be just attracted to someone yeah and it's, I will it's, tire, say, it's tiring too it gets it gets it gets super i just like want to end uh, with one more point it just gets super tiring i remember like <laughs> one of my friends uh, i won't say who because I haven't had his permission yet, but I remember he kind of pointed out that um, he's a, he was like, John is a yes man. Like he never says no to a hangout. And when he said that, I realized that that's, that's, that's true at the time. Right? And that kind of, that's kind of a reflection on, on like, on like how, like just, just saying yes to any, anything and everything is not sustainable. And, and that's when I realized that I'm just tired <laughs> and I wasn't myself with, with a lot of these, with a lot of these folks. But yeah, what were you saying? On the, on the dating thing, I mean, I think I will say when, you know, you're not in a relationship and you're looking to be in one, 
I do think there are some practical uses, right, to, you know, exploring, you know, within like a, within like a larger network, right? Because when you're on that phase, when you're trying to find someone, I think it is useful, yeah, to have a big network, you know, have friends that can not refer, <laughs> introduce you, <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the people and all that, uh, you know, for your reasons and none. And it's useful, but not necessarily because, you know, you need to be popular and that's what makes you attractive. But yeah, it's more of, you know, again, ha- for the sake of having options, but I think also so that, you know, and when you're pursuing this, you don't look too desperate, right? If you're only really focusing on pursuing this one girl, I think you're putting all your eggs in one basket, so to speak, and you might end up elevating this person to to heights that are not healthy. While if you are spreading your net wide, then I think you'd have you know you'd be a bit more realistic about your expectations, and you're not going to appear as desperate. But I, I do agree. Um, I think the desire for someone popular is something pretty shallow and immature, probably something we grew out of. Although, yeah. I don't know, I do think that likability is something that is still there that some anyone would be attracted to because you don't want to be with someone who's unlikable, right? Someone who treats people poorly, someone who a lot of people don't like uh, and all that. But of course, likability doesn't necessarily mean you have a lot of friends or they're super popular. The fact that you're likable with your family and your close group of friends, I think, is you know, I think is good enough. So I, I think it's more of that. But agree with your point though on on the yes man thing. I think especially when you're younger, that's the tendency we like to have, right? Because again, so much of our identity and you know, so much of our lives are so sort of dependent on that. But you know, I think as you get older, and especially after you get into a serious relationship and you know, when you start having a family and all that maybe, yeah, you're your inner circle in you know, your family is your priority, right? And I guess your life, your life isn't, you know, as dependent on how popular you are socially anymore. But so do you, do you guys think that it's, it's sort of unavoidable then that for the first, I guess, like quarter uh, century of our lives, you know, I guess right around until we're about like our age right now, do you think it's kind of unavoidable that being popular and having a lot of friends is going to be a big part of your life just because of how life dynamics are? Yeah, I would think so. I would think so. I think we're more woke now because we're viewing it in retrospect, right? It's like back then we were living in a way that's not sustainable, but at the time in the heat of the moment, I didn't think we realized it. So yeah, to answer your question, I do think it's sort of unavoidable. Everything's a learning experience. Just quickly on that, um, I mean, I think one of in our, one of our previous discussions, you talked about, you know, what would you tell younger Steve, younger Andrew, younger Jarvan, like what to do, right? Um, I mean, if you ask me right now, would I tell my younger self to, you know, I guess like not think too much about having a lot of friends and networking and all that? I mean, ideally, yeah, but when I think about how the dynamics of life are in that season of my life, I'm not sure that's realistic. Mm. Because that, because you know, in high school again, we're all stuck in the same place, and you know, you needed good relationships. And before, you know, now I have a job, so it's easy for me to say I don't need to have a big network. But when I was in college, jobless, really anxious about my career, it was a big deal for me. Networking, even though it could reach a point that's unhealthy, it's something you know that I still have to do. Even if I got advice on, oh, you know, and, and I did, I did get advice on, oh, you know, don't think too much about have and have a big, you know, to network a lot or 
uh, you know, like I need to have a lot of friends, but fact of the matter is back then that was a big part of my life. And it was kind of, it was kind of unavoidable. It was kind of required. I think then like, then it just depends on what stage of life you're in then. Cause I think once in this, in a stage of life where you're all settled, then I don't really see the point of trying to network as much. But if you're in a stage where you're still trying to move up in your career or find a job or something like that, then I think that's where you have to, that's where I think networking actually becomes part of that stage. And so I think for me, I mean, I think networking will always be, a, at least for the first, like the first chunks of our lives, it'll definitely be important. But I think once you, once you're at a stage where you don't need it anymore, this is not say to stop networking, right? But I think the need of networking starts to become, I think the need of networking starts to become less, at least in our stage, right? Because I feel like the need of networking is less than the need of networking when I was still in college. So that's how I feel. But if we're gonna, but regarding your question about like how, what would you tell your younger self about in retrospect? And I think I would just tell my younger self that I just warned um, myself that just remember the more people you meet, the more faces you're gonna have. Because I think that's the, that's the danger of, of networking too much because once you, you sort of spread yourself out too thin, right? And then I think when you're networking, you try to, you're, you're trying to put on this good impression. Cause I mean, obviously first impression means everything, right? But at the same time, you're also becoming a different version of yourself. Um, you meet 10 people, you become t- 10 different versions of yourself. And I think that's where uh, mentally the, the effort to keep maintaining that certain image, it becomes tiring. This is not to say you're being fake or anything like, Obviously, I mean, it's always best to be yourself, but at the same time, you can't be yourself entirely, right? You have to be 10 10 different versions of yourself. And I think maybe you can keep that up with 10 people, but can you keep that up with 100 people, right? And I think it just goes back to the, like going back to that topic of, I guess, when it comes to desirability, right? I I think as we grow, as we as we get older, I think not only with relationships, but also friends, I think we tend to value relationships that where they're not, where we we're, we're more certain that this person is, is actually being their true self to us. Right. Cause let's say, um, John, John's like, uh, and like he's a networking whore, right? Let's say he, like he networks with a hundred people a day. Right. Some part of me would be wondering, Oh, is this John or that other John? How about you networking or what do you think? I don't know what to respond. I mean, I agree. I agree with what Andrew said completely. Nothing else to add. And uh, the term whore is not politically correct, Andrew. So you better check yourself. <laughs> but, but John, what would you tell your younger self then, you know, if it is just dependent on the season of life? Yeah, I mean, practically, I don't think I would. I mean, if... if if I did have the opportunity to go back in time and talk to my younger self, I don't think I would tell him to do anything different. I think the three of us kind of agreed on, on, on this last time that, you know, the mistakes that we made growing up kind of shaped the shaped us to become the men that we are today. So nothing major, but maybe like subtly just tell him that maybe, maybe more of a reminder who my close friends are and to always stay true to yourself as well. Um, it's kind of fluffy, but by that I mean, don't force yourself to always want to adjust to a lot of these different 
personalities, a lot of these different versions of yourself, as Drew pointed out, because it did take a toll on you physically, mentally. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably it, Steve. Mm. Just know who your true friends are. Remember who your true friends are and don't be too hard on yourself in wanting to connect with, you know, so many people. Mm. What about you? Yeah, I uh, I feel the same way. I agree with what you guys said. I guess just as closing thoughts, one last question. So now we're in this pandemic situation where networking and socializing in person is basically impossible. And I'm pretty sure for a lot of the more extroverted serial networkers you know, out there in the world right now, they are suffering. One, because it's a big part of their personality, but also second, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, especially now who don't have jobs and are struggling, right? You can't go to, you know, these like networking sessions anymore, these company job fairs and all that, right? And I'm sure they're going to be, you know, extremely anxious about that. And yeah, and then for other people, you know, it's just a matter of, I can't, you know, meet all my friends anymore. I can't meet new people anymore. And, you know, they're probably really worried about that. But to these people, what advice would you guys give? I think if I were to take a stab at this one, so you kind of mentioned two different groups of people, right? One is the serial networkers that just miss being able to hang out. And the second is those that are struggling finding a job during the pandemic. Mm. For the first for the first group of people, I would say just be mindful that every time you go out, you're kind of risking your own life as well as the lives of the people that you live with, right? That's not to say that you can't hang out in smaller groups. So by all means, if you do it safely, kind of like when the first best baby was lifted and we, we decided to grab a meal together, I think we were all conscious that we didn't even fist bump each other, right? We kind of like bumped our shoulders when we, when we met up that first time after a couple of months. So it's, it's possible. Elbows, actually. Elbows, elbows, yeah. Yeah. So it's possible to, to still hang out with, with some people, some folks, as long as you do it safely. But always, again, be mindful that you're, you're risking. This pandemic is bigger than we thought it was going to be initially, right? It's, it's very risky to your life and the lives of your families as well. So just be more mindful. For the second group of people, first and foremost, I'm really sorry if you were impacted by, you know, layoffs because a lot of companies, including the company that Steve and I currently work for, did have to lay off a lot of people and it, it sucks. So it makes sense if you guys want to prioritize networking. And I think it's our roles, you know, as, as folks that do still have a job and have networks as well of other people working at other companies. It's our role to be a helping hand for these folks, actually. So I kind of want to implore everyone. Now, I mean, both of you guys are, are, are aware of this already, but whoever is going to listen to this podcast, um, if you do know anyone who's struggling right now, just be a helping hand because, you know, that could, that could go a long way to improving their lives and making their lives a lot better at this, at these, during these trying times. But those are my thoughts. So, yeah, I agree with everything that John said. Uh, but I also like to, I guess, add for those, both of those group of people that, yeah, it may seem that there is lost opportunity because of COVID, but actually there is opportunity in COVID. Biggest example would be all these, all these new home businesses, right? I mean, or these uh, people are actually finding new creative ways to start a business. I mean, there's never been a rise in home businesses ever since COVID. People also revisiting their hobbies. Um, wait, wait, wait. This, is, 
Because this is a place where I add for edge bars. No. No. <laughs> of course not. What was I saying? Yeah, I mean, people are, people are rediscovering or they're developing new hobbies. They're finding new instruments, new passions. They're finding more time to, to reconnect with people that actually uh, mean something. So, yes, the opportunity cost is, yes, you may, be, you may not have a job or you may not be able to network as much as you want. But I think this. The, but I think the good side to this is now you can really use this time to develop yourself. Because I think right now, when we when you first start networking, right? I think you you tend to be unsure of yourself. You tend to feel unconfident sometimes, uh, and then you try to put up this front where you are confident. Maybe you try to put up a front where you're not being yourself. I think now is the perfect time to for you to actually develop yourself and actually be really sure of like of who you of who you really are. Whether it's uh, reading a book or rediscovering a hobby or finding a new business idea. I think now is the best time to develop yourself. So then when everything does get lifted and when everything goes back to normal, when you do get yourself out there and start networking, you're a little bit more confident. You're actually a little bit more genuine. Um, yeah. Cause I think it's a thing that people, that people lack when they network, they're not genuine. Uh, they're not being themselves. And I think it's just because you're not sure of yourself. Maybe it's because you lack experience or maybe you didn't really have time for yourself, right? To really, to really be sure of who you really are. But I think this is the best time to do it. So I'd say where there is a problem, there's always an opportunity, right? And I think this is where right now during this, during, during the situation where we're, uh, where we have the luxury of staying home and talking and reconnecting and uh, with our friends and family, I think this is the best time to to really work on yourself. There's this thing that my dad would always say, like, "Oh, you don't plan to fail, but you fail the plan," right? So I think this is the best time for you to start planning what you really want to do. And I think if I could, honestly, it's the, sometimes I wish that I had more time to plan out, or I would be in ten years. Well, maybe this is the best time for you to really plan out where you want to be in ten years. Yeah, yeah, those are really good points. Yeah, for the people that are struggling right now with you know finding opportunities, I definitely agree with what both of you said. If you have a job, then you should help out as much as you can. And this is uh, possibly an opportunity for you to be able to explore other ventures and develop other skills. So yeah, it is tough. But I think like a lot of challenging situations, it is the best of what you make of it. And I guess to the group of people that are the serial networkers or the extra extroverted, really social people that are really bummed out about not being able to see anyone during this time. A really good quote actually saying that COVID has caused all of us to fail in you know all the things we want to obtain, but it makes us more thankful of all the things that we already have. So Maybe you're not going to be able to reconnect with Lizzie and Ben from biology class in high school because <laughs> now it's dangerous, but you get to spend a lot more time with your family and you get to do video calls with your close friends and your overseas friends more often and play with your puppy if you have one. So rather than spreading all your attention to Lizzie and Ben, who I'm sure are really great people, why not focus on the people important to you, like your family and close friends? And puppy. And the puppy. Yes, exactly. Puppy's the most important. <laughs> All right, guys. I think we're done for today.